When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Nathan, do you think Toad is in trouble? I'm actually one of the few people who think they're not in trouble, that they're actually taking the right step in the right direction, but many people think they're in big trouble. Yeah, and the reason for that, of course, is that recently uh, Toyota has had its CEO, Akio Toyoda, uh, mm -hmm. step down as CEO. He was moved or is moved into the chairman of the board position, right. uh, but there is a new CEO. Yeah, Koji Sato, and he's going to take over, and the cool thing about him is that he is one of the advocates for the whole GR racing revitalization of Toyota's sporting past. So in this uh, video slash podcast, me and Nathan are going to go down and talk about all the different vehicles that Toyota has, and we're going to kind of talk about whether we think they're good, bad, or indifferent, uh, and hopefully we're going to try to fix the brand because, you know, we're the brain trust that can do it, Nathan. <laughs> I'm sure they're all watching right now saying, what is Nathan and Roman going to do to save our company? But before we do that, uh, let me address some comments we got. Uh, oh, okay. We, we got a... Uh, uh, we got a recent, hold on, let me see if I can find this thing for you. We got a recent uh, rating on our uh, podcast. Oh, okay. It wasn't good. Oh, no. Guess how many stars? Two? No, worse. One? Yeah. One star. No, oh, that's no, terrible. no, sorry. Worse than five, sorry. Three, we got three stars. Okay, three. And uh, I'm not going to find it, but I can tell you the gist of the comment, mm. uh, and that was that we get off track too much. Yes, we do. Speaking of which, I wanted to talk about the new Star Wars movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was going to say to that particular listener slash viewer, uh, you know, this is a podcast where you got two guys talking about cars. Yeah. And sometimes life kind of kicks in and we talk about other things as well. But, I mean, if you want us just to talk about cars, of course we're going to just talk about cars. But I can't stop Roman from talking about credit cards. <laughs> or, uh, or, or rants. Or, or chairs. So let, let, let me give you a little rant. Okay, there <laughs> we go. Of, which, you asked for it. So, so I just got back from vacation, and uh, I was in Hawaii, Nathan. You were in Disney. I was in Hawaii. I yeah. Aloha, both, Mr. Ha. Both were equally expensive. Yeah, they were actually. I, I, I could have taken my family to a one-week trip to Hawaii without a problem. By the way, the island, you went to the Big Island, right? I did, yeah. That's where I had my honeymoon. Yeah, I love the Big Island. That's I used, awesome. I, once upon a time, I used to cover the Iron Man race as a journalist, so I kind of fell in love with the Big Island because yeah. that's where the Iron Man takes place. So uh, when I go to Hawaii, that's the one I go to. But uh, we rented a car. Uh, we rented the cheapest car we could get our hands on which was a uh, full-size Avis uh, luxury car, American. And you know how when you rent a car, they say it'll be like one of these cars in this category. Mm -hmm. And the category was the uh, Chrysler 300. Yeah. And guess what we got? 
You got the Chrysler 300. We did. We got the exact yeah. one. You, well, and the reason I know this is because I wrote the story up on it. Uh, so it's the Chrysler 300S yes. with the 3.6 liter um, Pentastar. Pentastar. But, I mean, it is pretty loaded. I mean, considering what it is. Yeah, it was like 43000 We priced it out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we wanted a big old American cruiser, and we got a big old American cruiser. And, dude, that was the cheapest car we could get. Guess how much it was to rent that thing for seven days? I'm going to say 600 uh, 1000 Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's how much Damn. it is. And you had to get gas for it, too. Yeah, and gas. guess how much gas is. It's got to be six bucks a gallon. There. Close. It was like five, seven, depended, like five to five, seventy, depending on where you bought it. Did you stay on the Kona side or the Hilo side? I always stay on the Kona side because oh. it never rains there except it rained. <laughs> but anyway, so I forgot about this little feature that uh, classic American cars had and some actually European and Japanese cars as well. But you know that little actuator, the little thing that pops up to let you know whether the uh, door is locked or not. It's like a little stubby. Um, oh, you mean the old-fashioned lock? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. You know, so you know this thing has this feature where when you get above 50 miles an hour, it locks the doors. Yeah. And since it's beautiful in Hawaii, it's always 82. You know, the windows open. You got your door on the door. You get your arm on the door, and next thing you know, the little thing pops down and takes your skin with it. <laughs> And just pinches oh, yeah. and it hurts like I hell. The cars do that, yeah. Dude, it hurts like hell. I mean, I, I get totally forgot about that. I get that, but who and I don't think that Chrysler 300 is the only one that does it. I think there are other cars that still there do that. There were a that. lot of other cars. Well, back in the day, all of them did that. Chrysler's, I mean, that. That platform dates back to the late 90s. 2005, actually. Yeah, but the platform is actually based on a Mercedes Benz E Class, C Class. Going all the way back to 1997, 1998, in terms of the hard stampings and everything else, that is an old platform. Yeah, yeah, and of course Chrysler has you know two whole car model lines now, yeah. right? They've got the Chrysler 300, which is going away, <laughs> and they've got the Pacifica, which isn't going away. So you know the reason I bring all this up in a long roundabout way is we're we're asking if Toyota's in trouble, but Chrysler really only has one car left for, after this for year. For now they do, but they also Stellantis laid out a plan that they're going to be using several, including the Airflow concept, which may actually keep its name Airflow, and start producing EVs and use Chrysler as their luxury level um, EV provider. And that makes total sense because that's what Chrysler is supposed to be, a luxury level automaker. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, they really all, they're down to one minivan at this point. Yeah, but you know, the 300 um, is a fine car, you know, I think uh, for the amount of money you spend on it, you know, which is, I think it starts at like 36 if you get the base one. Right, it's about that. And but and even with the base one, you still get a ton of features. You do. It's actually a pretty good deal. And yeah. 300 horsepower. Yeah, and you know, tons of room and okay fuel economy. Uh, my only uh, complaints with it were uh, that uh, it's just a sea of black plastic, a lot yeah. of black plastic. This is from the like Charger Challenger days when everything that huge like dashboard was just this kind of elephant skin plastic. And right. but otherwise, you know, it's comfortable. Uh, it's relatively quick. Uh, it certainly has presence. Uh, yeah, I think you know, they handle pretty good for it, a big it, car. It has buttons it does. and knobs. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to sliders and, and, and pushing a screen. It's, it's a decent car. Um, we did put out a post, uh, which also has the video that uh, Roman and uh, Tommy shot, uh, on TFLcar.com. So you can, and you can find that on all TFL car. All right, well, there's our little rant, and if you didn't like that, 
That's then, that was on topic though. That was about cars. Yeah, but you know, like I say, two guys talking about cars, and if we meander our way down this hour, uh, you know, we hope you stay with us. So let's go back to Toyota, Nathan. And you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, that are about electric vehicles because um, there is just a ton, and we did a podcast on this, and it hasn't helped actually, a ton of ignorance. I was just listening to one of the favorite ones I was talking about, which is uh, Seen Through Glass, right? Mm -hmm. And they just did a whole podcast. It's a British uh, guy who does mainly with like a dealer buddy. They do mainly talk about like exotics, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were saying that the UK is in trouble in terms of electric car uh, and uh, the dealer dude, uh, who's really funny and interesting, bought uh, a Taycan. Uh, and, you know, he, he seemed to be completely oblivious to the charging curve issue, which is that, you know, cars that are electric charge at different rates, right, based on how much electricity the car can either take or how much electricity the, the charger can produce. Can produce, right? right? But the fact is, you don't know. So he bought this Taycan, and he was kind of stunned that at some of the chargers, he was not getting the 250 kilowatts that the car is capable of. Mm. Uh, and then he said, well, that's because the chargers are broken. And I'm like, no, mm. you don't know that. You, that's the problem, right? Uh, with electric vehicles, it's like if you had a gas vehicle and you change the size of the hole that the gas goes in, anything from an enormous hole like a race car might have to like, like you know, an eyedropper. Right. And the reason for that is because uh, the car will only accept enough electricity so that it doesn't damage the batteries and the batteries have to be at a certain temperature to be able to accept that highest amount and that is usually a temperature that has to do with like where we're at you know in the 70s batteries like to be the same temperature that humans like to be at and if you're driving in the UK in the winter then they're probably not at 70 degrees they're probably much colder than that right. and they probably won't accept a full charge but it just it just brought home that these guys who are experts on you know anything Ferrari or Porsche like 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 completely in some ways, don't understand the difference between electric cars, and then it generates a lot of hate because you have to almost learn a different language when you're talking about electrification versus gas. And if you don't know that language, it's very frustrating, I think. So I'm guessing that you went to this topic because you're leading directly into Toyota and some of the issues yes. that they've been having recently. Yes, and, and in the electric car world, uh, not just this podcast, but like Inside EVs, our friend Martin who does that, Toyota is vilified. I mean, literally vilified, right? Yeah. It's the one brand that has actively not just not gone electric, but has actively in their minds and in their world uh, lied about what electric cars can do and should do and will do. In fact, they've you know actively uh, went and supported legislation to keep electrification from happening. And if you look at their model lineup, you know, uh, they would have preferred to sell hybrids versus all electrics. And of course, if you're an electric car guy or gal, uh, that is uh, hypocrisy. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily that it was a full-on lie. I think what they did was they just bent the truth a little bit here and there when it came to that type of legislation. But let's go into directly what we're talking about. Right now, Toyota, which is one of the largest car companies in the world, and they have been for years and years and years, only have, at least in the United States, one electric vehicle, all-electric BEV, that's on offer. All of their other vehicles either have an hybrid option of some sort, uh, or uh, they don't. Actually, almost everything they build has a hybrid option of some sort. So let's go over that list and talk about what Toyota has, and then perhaps how we can help them kind of make it past this little uncomfortable patch. 
Well, it, you know, first of all, I'm not sure it's uncomfortable. Maybe their strategy is correct. You know, maybe I actually personally do believe that they they are on the right track. But, but, but without going into the, 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 we want to talk about the products because that's what we're about. We're about the product of the vehicle, right? So, Toyota builds plug-in hybrids, regular hybrids. Yes, they build sports cars. Yes, they build trucks and all that other stuff. But if you think about what they actually have, if you look at the grand scheme of things, Toyota was one of the first companies to really bring out hybrid technology to the masses and make it sustainable and extremely reliable. Their track record on reliability for hybrids is incredible. So their idea is better way of saving money is to buy these vehicles that get incredible gas mileage, 40, 50, 60 miles per gallon, put them out there. You don't have range anxiety. And at the same time, you can buy one of our vehicles that you can even plug in. But they believe, at least um, the former CEO believed, that going all electric is a gamble that he felt was illogical. So we're going to put it out there to you guys, whether or not you agree with him. I think that he was on the right path, but I still think that they should build more electric vehicles to please the public. Yeah, so what happened, of course, was that, you know, uh, they came out with the Prius, right, mm -hmm. which uh, introduced the uh, Toyota... Synergy Drive, which is what they called their first hybrid system, and then it became so popular and it became so fuel efficient that Prius became its own model line, mm -hmm. right? So that Prius wasn't just a model, but it was an entire model line. Yeah, there's line. the Prius V, the Prius C, a whole bunch of them. Yeah, uh, and a lot of companies are copying that. Uh, obviously, Chevy with the Corvette is doing the same thing now. To a certain degree, yeah. So, yeah uh, uh, and then, of course, they went and they hybridized everything. Now, the upside to hybridization is that it still involves going to the gas station and you don't have to change your uh, behavior whatsoever. You don't have to know a whole new language of how things work and you don't have to deal with electric chargers or charging at home. Uh, and you get really good fuel economy. Of course, the downside to hybridization uh, is that you're... Uh, well, the CVT. Let's be honest. I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those cars are specifically designed for fuel economy as the most important thing, right? You can, sure. you can hybridize a car and make it fuel efficient. You can make it powerful, but Toyota always went toward the fuel efficiency route. And so, to do that, they either had a CVT or an eCVT. Which, if you're an enthusiast like I am, and I think Nathan is, it took a lot of the fun out of driving. And that's why the Prius, while it was also highly successful, it became kind of the poster child for the appliance, the toaster. Yeah, yeah. It that was, was no fun. That was no fun to drive. Yeah, but things have recently changed with the Prius. I, I mean, I hesitate to say this, but there's now a powerful, good-looking Prius that is a lot more engaging to drive. But still, at the same time, you're still not talking about driving something like what we have pictured here, for those of you who can't see, which is the Toyota Corolla GR, which is this badass, fire-breathing, turbocharged, all-wheel drive, fun car, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think that Toyota is evolving. They do see that the market is changing. And at the same time, they established the market. They're the ones who started hybrid technology. Yes, I know Honda did as well, but really Toyota took it to another level if you think about the popularity of the Prius. So basically, we got an email from one of our listeners or viewers recently, and he asked a really astute question. Why do we hate the CVT? Mm, that's a very good question. So here's, here's the answer. First of all, there's a, several different types of CVTs, not just one. Basic CVT is essentially continuously variable transmission, exactly as it sounds. Which is a belt that runs up and down a cone. Two different cones, usually, or one cone and a pulley, and essentially infinite drive ratios between them. So infinite and, number of gears. Right. And the thing is about those, they are built for efficiency. There's less moving parts, so they're lighter. They are 
proven technology when they work right to be something that is very simple and very easy to put into a vehicle on the other side of it there are many CVTs that are not very robust that that blow up or explode but, but or you, don't you work. You could say the same thing about the Certain dual clutch. Sure, or the, sure. Oh, dual clutches. Don't get me started on those. So, yes, there's those. Then there's the eCVTs, and there's a couple different types of those. Some of them are essentially not even CVTs. They're, they're permanent gear sets. Planetary they are plan, gear sets. Plan, yeah. Planetary gear sets. Or they are working with a partial CVT system that, uh, that actually has two different transmissions, one that hooks directly to an electric motor. There's a whole bunch of things so, in between. So let me, let me explain why they're fuel efficient. Uh, basically, an, air, an internal combustion engine is fuel efficient at a certain RPM, mm -hmm. right? Or most fuel efficient. So let's, let's pick a number because that changes. But let's say it's most efficient at, let's say, 3,000 RPM. Uh, the problem yeah. is with the regular transmission, you start at zero RPM and you go up to whatever, six or seven. Then you shift back down to two. Then you go back up to six, mm -hmm. right? And so this engine is constantly accelerating. You know, right? That's what's happening. With a CVT, it allows that engine to run at that most efficient RPM range. Uh, and then the transmission basically uh, feels like it's always um, hovering around a rev and feeling very unhappy about it. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting so it. So when you accelerate, you're hitting, let's say, 2,500 RPM, and it just sits there. And it feels like there's a pillow between you and the accelerator. Right. There's, there's very little response once you get up and going. And I think that's one of the reasons why it doesn't feel very engaging. There's another important reason, and that is when you're doing performance driving, meaning when you're going through canyons or going around a track or just trying to have a little bit of fun, CVTs don't dial back down the way that a regular transmission or manual especially can, where you can zip down to a gear that makes that corner perfect, where you shoot out of it at the perfect RPM. Yes, there are CVTs that do have flappy paddles, which are almost useless. What they'll do is they'll artificially increase the RPM of the vehicle, but they're not actually putting you down to the right space you need to be in terms of your transmission to get out of that corner in the most rapid and efficient way. So CVTs built for efficiency. That's the simple reason why they're not fun. I like things that are fun. I do not hate CVTs. I used to. I've learned over time that they actually do provide a very good service for people who don't need performance. However, they're not great when it comes to heavy duty or heavy pooling. And that's why so far, at least, we haven't seen them on large trucks. I have a feeling that might change in the future. So if you're a Tesla fanboy or fangirl, then the obvious thing that you're screaming at us is, why not just get rid of the transmission completely? Isn't that the better and more efficient way of doing it? Because electric cars do not have transmissions. Mm, that's a or they have one gear, right? Because that engine, that motor, I'm sorry. So an engine is, an internal combustion engine motor is electric. That electric motor can go anywhere from zero RPM to God knows, you know, mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands probably at some point. But in a, in a car application, let's say it goes up to 12,000 or something like that. Mm. You don't need any gears in between there because there's so much torque that it can start at zero and go all the way up to its highest uh, RPM and still accelerate the car very quickly. Right, but, but then it does fall off. There's there's usually a spot where it'll just fall off. And well, and, and, and some manufacturers like Porsche with the Taycan have actually introduced a one-speed transmission mm -hmm. where it actually does shift. So you can have like Autobahn cruising, right, where that uh, motor is 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 um, not spinning as quickly because you have actually geared it down. But for right. the most part, most electric cars, almost all of them do not have transmissions. Well, you know, the early Teslas had two-speed and then one-speed transmissions before they switched the way they were thinking. 
We even drove a Roadster with a one-speed transmission. Yeah, but so, they had a really hard time actually making it work because there's so much there's so much torque, it tends to tear apart the, the gear sets. Right. So going back to the CVT and what the person said, yeah, I mean, it's a simple reason why I'm not thrilled with CVTs is they're boring. Sorry, that's just my thing. But I agree they're completely logical when it comes to putting together a vehicle that gets really good mileage, which is why a lot of people who put together hybrids like using CVTs. Or ECVTs. And, and Toyota's still doing that, right? In the latest, let's pick the latest and greatest Toyota right now, which is uh, the r most recent RX350H, right? Once again, it's using a CVT. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I drove it, and you know, I, I felt like the more fun to drive one was the one without the hybrid option. It was yeah, just, that's it, the 350, isn't right, it? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just more engaging uh, than, than the hybrid. Well, let's talk about what the changes are because you guys are probably wondering where this is all going. We are talking about Toyota. We are talking about whether or not this new move with Toyota, step, Toyota stepping down and Sato coming in is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, so basically I think in the bigger, in the bigger picture, right, the reason that Toyota had to step down was that uh, the industry has moved, I think, much faster than Toyota has planned uh, into electrification. And the reason we can take a guess at that, obviously we don't have, you know, uh, um, uh, a bug in their boardroom, right? Or so, maybe we do. <laughs> maybe we do, yeah. <laughs> But obviously, you know, we're, we're guessing at this. But one of the things that Toyota announced when they made this move was uh, that they are building now a, a separate and unique platform for their electric vehicles. Now, they have had, and I forget the name of the three letters or four letters, NG, blah, something, yeah. as, as an electrified platform. Uh, but it was it was also part of like the same platform that the rest of the cars were built on. Yeah, the TNGA, That's it, yeah. or, and then they had the other platforms as well, but they oh, they used TNGA for a lot of their platform uh, nomenclature, and the problem with that, of course, is it gets a little confusing. I think what Toyota is going to do right now, and it makes total sense, they only offer one electric vehicle, and that was a terrible first start because the BZ4X... But before we get into that, yeah, word from our sponsor. Yes, yes, we'll do that. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. All right, BZ4X. Yeah, that, uh, it, well, it got First recalled almost right away. <laughs> because the wheels fell off, literally. The wheels. There, was, there were some mounting issues and whatnot. The wheels, wheels fell off, literally. But but that's kind of funny and ironic. But the, 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 the issue with that platform and the name of the car is, I can't remember it. It's a horrible name. It's a terrible name. Secondary, they built it in conjunction with Subaru. Yeah, which so, that so it does in itself is like platform sharing and badge engineering, and you're like these guys aren't the taking Subaru it. Actually, I think looks better. I agree, I agree, but you you don't feel like they're taking it seriously when they're yeah. like, you know, when they're building this thing with another. It's kind of like they're just offering okay, Toyota people who really want one. Here's an electric car. No, no, no. Shut up and go to your corner, and we're going to keep building our hybrids and whatnot. And the problem is, is that. The popularity of electric cars cannot be denied. As such, Toyota needed to adapt. Now, recently, uh, about six months ago or eight months ago, the CEO 
former CEO now, came out with a whole bunch of electric cars surrounding him. Remember yeah, that? I remember that, yeah. And one of the most popular was their little cruiser. It was like a, a smaller version of the FJ Cruiser. And it's this cool-looking electric car, and everybody's freaking out over that, including me, and all these other really cool, interesting-looking uh, possible electric vehicles. Well, guess what? They were all mock-ups. There were no actual plans in the working, per se, for those things to go into production anytime soon. So essentially what he was doing was he was throwing everybody a bone, but the actual commitment to electrification, he was always against. Well, he was a car guy, or he is a car guy, he right? Is, yeah. Right, because he races, and what he did was, I think uh, maybe eight years ago, or I forget, seven years ago, we sent a letter to the entire company saying, hey, we got to stop building toasters and start building more interesting and more engaging cars. Yeah. Uh, and they did that, but it wasn't electric. It was all about... Let's make more interesting and engaging internal combustion engine cars, not electric cars. But and they started doing that. But let's go back. You know, we're going to go through the model lineup. But let's go back and talk about the BZ. What is it? I can't remember. BZ4X. Yeah, yeah, the BZ4X. First of all, the name inclusion is horrible. It's like they took a bunch of letters and numbers and just drew. Threw them up in the air and yeah. saw which ones landed on the table. So that's that's the first problem. But the bigger problem is, once you get past that, is it's like a generation behind. Right now, it's at least a generation behind. Yeah, right? I'd say that. The range is just around 200 miles, which is barely enough. Mm -hmm. uh, the charging rate is terrible. It's miserable. Miserable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at some point, to his reputation for reliability probably doesn't mean as much when it comes to electrification because most electric cars in general are much more reliable because they have fewer moving parts. To oh, oh just, just a fraction of what a gas car has. So Toyota had this issue. They had an image issue. Now, look, I know a lot of you guys who are following us are saying, Look, I love their cars. Some of their cars are great. Some of their trucks are great. I would agree with you. But remember, millions of electric vehicles are now being sold in the United States. This is a truth, whether you like it or not. So what do you do to, to, to compensate? You give everybody one car when you are the largest automaker on the planet? No, I think that that was a poor decision. Well, and it could have been a good decision had it been a halo car. It, but it wasn't the right car. It wasn't it was, the right car. It was, it, I mean, you start with your strongest car. You know what? who else made that mistake? Who? Volkswagen. The ID4, I don't think, was the first was a great idea for a first car. It was that that one also felt like both these cars feel like they're playing catch up to Model Y or Model Three. At, at the very least. Yeah, right. They're not. They're certainly not leading in in that technology. They're certainly not innovating in that technology. Right. You know, they're they're kind of building cars because they reluctantly want to do so. As reluctantly a, is exactly the way I'd put it. But then that's add how to it feels. That, there's, there's there's two issues that Toyota had that they didn't even think about. What's that? Kia and Hyundai. Yeah, who... who uh, Kia and Hyundai are absolutely killing it with electric cars right now. And they're only getting better. And frankly speaking, Toyota did not have to... Did not expect to catch up to them. Toyota wanted to beat Nissan. Easy enough. Nissan, all, at the time, only had the... Well, hell, they still only had the Leaf. I mean, come on. With the Aria still not really out there. It, and, isn't it funny that a whole culture based on, I think, being... Efficient, right? The Japanese, you have to hand it to them, right? They are extraordinarily. They, I mean, efficient. they came. They came to America during the fuel crisis and just took massive amounts of market share by building efficient and uh, energy sipping cars. Yeah. And yet, when the most efficient car came along, they were like, "Oh no, no, no." Well, at the time, I mean, think about how cheap gasoline is in the United States. It still is by world standards. Remarkably not, not in Hawaii. No, not in Hawaii <laughs> or San Francisco for that matter. But it's worldwide when you look at how much a liter of gas costs in the UK, 
yeah, it's still really, 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 really cheap here. And for them, I mean, why build something that people don't really want? Why build something that is polarizing on a political spectrum, right? I, I totally get that. So Toyota offers this one electric car, but what they, they sweeten the deal and I say, but listen, we're going to give you... And then the wheels fall off. <laughs> we're going to give you the RAV4, but we're going to build a Prime. So you can plug it in and things are going to be stupid powerful. And you're going to forget all about this electric car nonsense. And you know what? For a minute there, it worked. Then when they saw that that wasn't quite keeping up, they said, okay. Actually, I actually think something else happened, Nathan. Mm. I think I'm glad you brought up the RAV4 Prime. Because I think what happened with Toyota is they were taken aback at how popular the RAV4 Prime was. And we know that because for a hot two years there, the RAV4 Prime was unobtainium. You could not get one. And, you still can't get and one. And it was selling way above uh, market. Yeah. This is before the big market increases it was doing that too. Yes, yeah. So yeah. I, I think they had a successful car on their hits, and I think what happened was it took them aback and they thought to themselves, maybe there is something here. Mm -hmm. Maybe people actually want this. And let's talk about the RAV4 Prime while we're there. Yeah. Um, so the RAV4 Prime is a plug-in hybrid, right? It's mm -hmm. not a traditional hybrid. It, most traditional hybrids, what ends up happening is you have a small battery. Uh, let's, let's get technical here. So you have a traditional engine that might be a small turbocharged engine. And then you add to it maybe a 1 kilowatt hour, maybe a 1.5 kilowatt hour battery. Give or take, yeah. Keep in mind, most electric cars have like 70 to 100 kilowatt hour batteries. The Hummer has 212. But that's a whole different story. Uh, but you have this little tiny battery in comparison to electric cars. And then um, what you end up doing is you end up, um, you know, using that battery to supplement the electric engine, uh, the electric, no, you, you have an electric motor that gets power out of the battery that's either sandwiched in between the transmission or in the case of Toyota, sometimes if it's a four-wheel drive, runs the rear wheels, right? Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and it basically supplements the internal combustion engine. So when the internal combustion engine isn't very efficient, you've got the electric motor that runs it, and that's how you increase uh, your range. Um, and power sometimes. And power sometimes. Mm -hmm. And more, most importantly, I'm... I'm should have probably prepared better for this, so I apologize. But you get better fuel efficiency. Yes. But with the Prime, what they did was they gave it a bigger battery. Mm -hmm. So you could actually go, same thing with the Prius Prime. So you could actually go with the with the RAV4 Prime. I think it was, what, 50, 60 miles? Or was, well, 40. I think it was, it was 40. Like closer to 40. 40, yeah. Or, so or, so, yeah. so th now you're looking at, like, you know, maybe a 15 to 25 kilowatt hour battery. Jeep does the same thing with the 4xe. So mm -hmm. you could potentially... Go home, plug it in, charge it up overnight, and then actually drive the thing without ever using the internal combustion engine if right. your commute is, let's say, 40 miles or less to work. Right. And and going back to the Jeep thing, Jeep proved that this is something that is popular because they're building 4xe models. And essentially, the 4xe is their plug-in hybrid models that can go off-road and can still be run every day like an electric car, or you can drive them every day like an internal combustion car where you don't have to worry about anything. Now, here's the point about all this. Toyota is a little bit late to the game in some ways when it comes to the electric car, but they were you know, way up there when it came to not only building a plug-in hybrid, but a performance plug-in hybrid without even, even trying. So now let's fast forward to current days. We just got the new Toyota Prius, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it is gorgeous. It's a fabulous looking car, and there is a plug-in hybrid version of it. And that is their most powerful one. It's also called a Prime, am I correct? Yes. Yes, and you reviewed this uh, car, and I, we've, we've driven it. We've actually had some seat time with it. We've uh, A lot of our guys have seen these vehicles up close. 
Really cool idea. Actually, to, actually to I haven't shop. driven the new Prius. I think Tommy's going on that program. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you drove it too. No, okay. I, just, I just saw the unveiling. Oh, you did the walk around. Yeah. Yeah, I apologize. But, so, but, but here's the important part that I want to get to. Here they are on the forefront of really producing reliable cars that are plug-in compliant. You could do everything you can with an electric car. At the same time, you could do everything with a gas car. Toyotas are known to be reliable. They had all this going for them, but they still were not pleasing the people out there who wanted a solely electric vehicle. That's one of their biggest problems, and I think that that was really annoying for the former CEO. So let, let me do an analogy, okay? Um, I, I was going to do drugs, but we don't want to do drugs. No. So, but, so I'm going to do, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do uh, metal. Okay. But you're going to have to help me out because I'm not good with metal. Okay. Right, right? You're talking about heavy metal? Yeah, heavy metal, yeah. yeah. Well, all right, so let's say there's a spectrum of heavy metal. All right, so on the left side, which is kind of the more popular, right, let's call that in this case, the hybrid, uh-huh. right, would be like Guns N' Roses. They're oh. kind of metal-ish. Okay, no, no, right, fair enough, right, right, like, you know, like... Ozzy's well, Boneyard plays them, I will say, they're like, kind well, of metal. Like, well, welcome to the jungle, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, I believe you, I know, I know them. You know what I mean? But they're certainly not full-on, like, uh, what, what's Metallica. the... Metallica. Like, like, Metallica metal, yeah, right? right. So Metallica, in this analogy, would be an electric car. Yes. And Guns N' Roses would be the hybrid. Okay. So what, what would be the plug-in hybrid? In the middle of the yeah, two of them? Yeah, in the middle of two. Uh, I would say probably in excess. No, what else? No, it would be in excess. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Duran Duran. How about, the, how about, uh, how about ACDC? Okay, fair enough. ACD, well, ACDC, okay, this is, the, your analogies are, oh, everybody's just tuned out. <laughs> you're doing a horrible job. Let me, let me, let me fix All right, it for you. Okay, that's okay. why I need your help. All right, here we go. Okay. So, if you're talking about the absolute lowest level of hybrid, which is just a regular you know, hybrid. Like a, a, a original you, Prius, yeah. Okay, the original Prius, or a regular Prius right. of today, then you are talking about something simple, simplistic music. Music, especially for you, because I know how much you hate them. Let's say Van Halen, old Van Halen. Okay, oh God, I hate it. I know you do. I know you. So then we go the step up from there to the more modern versions of plug-in hybrids, hybrid, yeah. which would be a plug-in hybrid, and these are considered to be kind of the future for at least people like me. Well, that's going to be something a little bit more modern. That would be your Metallica, okay? okay. We're going to leave out Guns N' Roses. Right. And then you're going to go to your fully electric vehicle. Now, your fully electric vehicle is something that is kind of out there in a deep vision. It's far away. It's something that is big because whether you like it or not, and the it's coming. Who, and the people who love it really love it, but the, but a lot of people don't know about it yet. Ah, yes, indeed. So what would that be? Well, that would probably be something super hard, super painful for some people to listen to. That, my friends, is Slayer. <laughs> and you suddenly are just like right in your head, just like, oh, my God, I don't want this, but it's so good. That's electric cars. Then in the middle, it's like really good rock and roll. But it's just like, oh, God, okay, it's been around for a while. And then you got the stuff that's like Roman doesn't like. And some people love and hate, you know, with David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar. And then as your early stuff. So essentially what I'm saying is, is that you can divvy these things up. You could probably use, I don't know, Roman culture. You can use Japanese culture to describe the different needs of all of these vehicles and what people actually drive, right? So let's go into Toyota and now talk about what Toyota products are out there. Every single one, I believe, has a hybrid option. All right, well, let's talk about the most popular one, uh, which is, of course, outside of the RAV4, uh, mm-hmm. would be the Corolla. Right. And, so of the, course, you got to talk about the, um, uh, what's, what's, what, uh, not the Corolla, uh, the sedan, oh, God, how am I blanking up? Camry. Okay. Corolla and Camry. Corolla and Camry actually have very similar uh, features. So you can either, either one of those offers a hybrid powertrain. 
Now with the Camry, you can also get a Camry with a all-wheel drive, but just the four-cylinder, or you can get the big beefy V6, which is over, I think, 300 horsepower. No, no, it's nearly 300 horsepower. And that is still offered, which, by the way, not many sedans are out there with a V6 anymore. So then you go over to the Corolla. The Corolla, once again, has a hybrid option, but it also has, of course, the GR option. You can uh, put together all-wheel drive, three-cylinder turbocharged engine. That is an absolute animal. And then there's, they have a hatchback that's got a, you know, kind of a fun powertrain and manual transmissions, stuff like that, too. And then they have their regular car as well. Um, so both Camry and Corolla have hybrid versions. By the way, based on the Camry, you also have the Lexus ES. Pretty much everything that Toyota builds, there's a spin-off of Lexus. And yes, once again, the Lexus ES, just like the Camry, you can get a hybrid, you get the V6, you can get, I believe, an all-wheel drive still. So those are out there as well. Now, one of the things that Toyota has done, which is unusual, uh, and some other companies copy this as well, uh, is the way they hybridize, let's talk about the Prius, is, uh, and I think the Camry's the same way, is that they actually electrify it by giving the rear motor, uh, rear wheels an electric motor, and then the battery runs the motor and the rear wheels, whereas the front wheels are dr driven, and there's no connection between the, the, the two. Camry, the Camry has a mechanical all-wheel drive system. It's completely different. Right, but I said, I said the Prius definitely has. Oh, yeah, the Prius, the Prius all-wheel drive does have, it's, it's interesting because that all-wheel drive system that is available in the Prius, at least the current one, is a little six horsepower electric motor power in the rear wheels. It's just to get you unstuck from snow. And, not, and it's not connected to the front wheels. Not at all, There's not no mechanically. Right. And Toyota was one of the first companies to really make that prevalent throughout almost everything they build. So their crossovers, they have that system. And yeah, some of their, uh, you know, the Prius and some of those other vehicles like have Lexus that as well. Does the same thing. Right. The RX does the same thing. And, exactly. And the downside of that for a while there was that, like you said, it was basically meant to get you out of slippery situations or in low speed slippery situations. Right, right. But it would disengage at higher speeds. Right. So then you would go to a regular front wheel drive base drivetrain mm. at above, I think, 25 miles an hour. And they've been slowly increasing the speed and increasing the size of the battery that they use to power that rear motor that runs the rear wheels. Bingo. And that actually goes the most. Evident uh, bit of evidence for that goes directly to their Toyota Sienna minivan. Now, this I thought was a huge success for them because it was a boon. The only way you could get that minivan was with a uh, was with a hybrid system, front wheel drive hybrid, which made this minivan really efficient. Which, by the way, Roman and I about 12 years ago, one of our earliest minivan reviews, both you and I said the same thing. They should really have hybrid minivans because it just didn't make sense to. Well, there's only one company that does, and that's the Pacifica. Chrysler, yeah, but this was even before right, then. Right, I'm saying, but yeah. right now, Chrysler is the only one that actually has a hybrid minivan. It has a plug-in hybrid minivan. Yes, right. that's right. But, so, but it's also unavailable in all-wheel drive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Toyota then goes, okay, now we're going to build one with all-wheel drive. So they use that all-wheel drive system, the same one, electric motor, you running the back wheels. But it's recently... It's not a plug-in. It's not a plug-in, but recently they took this, the Sienna and they gave that rear motor even more power. We even have a video of me actually in a parking lot doing donuts with the damn thing using just the electric motor in the rear because it's so much more powerful. So they've actually learned their lesson and they're adding more power to the rear motor. That's huge. But this doesn't just stop there. It goes to the Highlander, to the RAV4, and I believe their Venza is all-wheel drive to the new Venza that came out, but I'm not 100% sure because I've never driven one before. Tommy drove one. I know. Yeah, we had the Venza for a while, and I think it's got that same 
I think. I, I don't want. I don't want to speculate. I'm yeah. sure somebody could Google that, but I think it's got that same. But it's only hybrid. It doesn't come with any other version. Exactly. So now let's move on to their trucks because believe it or not. Half of their trucks are hybrids now. Yeah, usually we'd save this for the truck podcast, but since we're just doing to add it into Toyota, yeah. So uh, obviously, the new Tundra comes as once again a mild hybrid, not a plug-in, but a mild hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I want to say, if I remember right, that's a 1.5 kilowatt-hour battery or somewhere in that neighborhood. They don't actually talk about it. They they, right. they, they kind of try to hide the fact that it's. But a very... that that's only on their higher end TRD, and I believe the Capstone, and some of the other higher end versions of the Tundra. However, the Sequoia, which is the Tundra's sister, essentially, that only comes as a hybrid. And the irony with their trucks is that it really doesn't give them a better fuel economy. <laughs> They're using it once again now, this time for more torque and more power, but not for fuel economy per se. Well, I, a little bit of fuel economy. They're, they're, it's it's it, like one MPG, maybe. maybe. It's, it's a little bit better than that, I think. If you look at the old Tundra versus the new Tundra. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, that's, it, but the, that turbo, that three liter turbo is much more efficient. Yes, is exactly. That's three, exact, is it three or 3.5? I think it's 3.5. Yeah, it might be 3.5. Yeah. yeah. Twin turbo. But, yeah. but the point is, is that once again, hybrids now on there, and we do fully expect to see the new Tacoma when it comes out, if it ever comes out, to probably have a hybrid system that's similar but just smaller uh, with the uh, its big brother, the uh, the Tundra. So, okay, so all that's covered. So what about their well, sports cars? Well, before we get to the sports cars, we're forgetting one, mm. the 4Runner. Ah, the 4Runner. The, the truck ancient 4Runner. That <laughs> platform is nearly as old as Tommy. Uh, the 4Runner is, is, is really thirsty. just a fantastic truck, but it's also really, really, really old. And it's a platform that will be revised eventually. In order for them to maintain cafe numbers and in order for them to maintain a vehicle that is still off-road capable, I have a feeling that the drivetrain that's going to be coming out in the new Tacoma will eventually find its way into the new 4Runner. So my guess, and this is, I think, a fairly educated guess, is that the 4Runner will not be replaced anytime soon uh, because they're still selling them like hotcakes. So, so let's talk about something important that you brought up and maybe which also kept Toyota from going electrified, and that is cafe numbers, right? So for mm. a long time, Tesla made a lot of money selling uh, EV tax credits to companies like uh, FCA, right? Mm-hmm. Because FCA had horrible fleet fuel economy averages. So the way cafe works is your entire fleet gets averaged out to a number, and you have to meet that number. If you don't meet that number, then you got to buy credits, basically, from the other companies to offset those uh, that, 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 that general fuel economy number. And what Toyota was able to do, which was very smart, was because they built the Prius, they were then able to build the 4Runner because the two averaged out to a number that met the cafe or exceeded the cafe because they had all these hybrids in their lineup. In essence, their entire fleet average fuel economy was very good. So mm-hmm. they could keep building things like the old Tundra or the current forerunner without getting penalized by the government, even though they were horribly fuel efficient. That doesn't mean that that helps you or me when we buy a forerunner. We no. still have cars in that case, which you know are very thirsty. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the forerunner, as far as we know, it's it's going to be a couple of years. They will eventially replace it, of yeah, course. Talk, they have we, to. We could talk about that. We're expecting the new Tacoma to come out as a uh, as a truck this year sometime, we're hoping. Yeah, well, as a 24 model, possibly. As a 24 yeah. model, and then usually a year after that, the 4Runner, because the 4Runner is based on the Tacoma, will come well, out. Well, we expect it to be based on, on, on many of the bones of the Tacoma. But once again, no announcements officially about what they're going to do with it, but it makes sense. So yeah, so we're looking at 2025 at the earliest for a new 4Runner, mm-hmm. 2024 for a new 
uh, Tacoma. And by the way, when I was in Hawaii, mm-hmm. every truck is a freaking Tacoma in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, at least on the Big Island. Uh, it's incredible. And they all, it's hilarious because they, they're all lifted and they're all like broed out. So they ha- all have the tires that stick at least 6 to 12 inches outside of the body. Yeah. Uh, and these mid-sized trucks, right, which normally are r- relatively small in the truck world, seem enormous because you need a ladder to get into them. And because those wheels stick out so far, they're just huge. Well, you know, when you're you know hanging out with guys like Dahui, you got to make sure that you got the giant wheels hanging out the side when you're holding your surfboards. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. By the way, Andre and I did a video about that uh, on TFL Talking Trucks, and it's all about just really, 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 really bad ideas in terms of modifications for trucks. Anyway, going back to Toyota. Um, now we're talking about their sports cars, and recently, and this is something that the old man, the previous CEO, really wanted to do is make by, them more sporty. By the way, we have to get into commercial break. Okay, let's do a commercial break first. All right, let's talk okay. about their sports cars. Okay, so they got—they really have two. I mean, I'm not counting the Corolla. Supra. Um, and that's the Supra, right? And, and then the 86. 86, yep. And neither of those are hybrids. Neither of those vehicles are built for efficiency. They are built for fun. They did just introduce a manual Supra. Yes, they did, which is fantastic. Which is. And once upon a time, that would have been more fuel efficient than the automatic. But nowadays, with with the latest technology, automatics are more fuel efficient than manuals. But by the way, Nathan, I drove that manual Supra. I fell in love with it. Um, I would buy that vehicle in a heartbeat. uh, You don't know how much the Supra needed a manual until it actually had one. And then you're like, holy cow, it's a completely different car. It unfortunately does not change the roof height. (laughs) <laughs> That's the problem. You and I don't fit. We don't fit in the no, thing. It's, it's just too tight in there. Yeah. Actually, I fit better in the 86. I do too. Yeah. 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 The 86 has a, but it's a completely different platform. It's a completely different car. Now, could you imagine them having that type of power in the 86? If they did that, of course, they wouldn't need the Supra, which. I don't know that's a good or bad thing. I've never been a huge fan of the Supra. I do love driving them once I get in there somewhat almost comfortably, but I don't know. I just for the money, there are better cars out there. But regardless, those are really the only two vehicles that don't have at least right now a hybrid option. So, well, Tacoma for well, yeah, but those vehicles are on the outs. These vehicles are currently mm-hmm. being built and new. Okay. So, with that all being said, um, we're coming back to what would it take to make Toyota, to help Toyota. And I think with this new president or you know, this new CEO, he's going to aim for more electrification. He already ta- they've already talked about an established platform using their tech and their knowledge. And they have a huge well of knowledge being able to build comparable and affordable electric vehicles I think that Toyota is the one to do it, and I think that they're the ones who need to do it right away to satisfy a lot of the people out there who are looking for electric cars. So, so I think I think the way they do that uh, is they build more primes, basically. So mm-hmm. I, I, they don't. I don't think. It, I think it's probably too late for Toyota to go head to head, especially if the BZ4X is any indication, uh, you know, against Tesla or against. And that needs to be scrapped. They need to start over. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> that needs to go away. Uh, or against Hyundai and Kia, like you said. But I think that they could uh, do a huge leap forward by actually doing more prime versions of all of their cars. I would I th- agree. I think that's where people are at right now. I think a lot of people aren't ready yet to be, you know, left stranded on the side of the road or go road tripping with all the issues that the charging networks are having, right? Mm. Right now we're in a deep and dark time when it comes to actually charging, public charging. So you're getting this moment, and this is what that Seen Through Glass episode was about, where you're getting this increase in electric cars, 
and yet you're not seeing the same increase in real numbers in terms of chargers, right? So if you live at home like me and you, mm -hmm. we can charge at home. You can charge your leaf at home. I can charge the bolt at home, whatever. Yeah. But if you live in an apartment or you live in the city, yeah, and then you're, you're screwed. You have to find a, a you have to source a charger somewhere in the city. And, and, and right now we're in the early days of those chargers. Yep. You know, most of them on road trips don't work. I think, especially in the winter, you're starting to see that 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 whole thing break down because in the winter batteries aren't as efficient and they're losing a lot of range. So now you're going. This is the problem with uh, the Toyota, right? Let's say you got 200 miles of range in the winter. You probably have a realistic range of 120. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. It, it depends on a lot of uh, uh, other environmental issues. Um, we actually covered some of this. Uh, yeah, I, did. Did a, I, I interviewed uh, Nicole Wakelin from uh, Newsweek's um, Fast, Girls, Fast podcast. Girls podcast. Yes, thank you. And uh, she recently did the trip that we did, which was going essentially from Disneyland to Disney World. And the, Good interview, she, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, that trip was really, really, really hard for her because, well, for both of them, uh, Eileen as they, well. They didn't break her record. No, they did not. Um, and what happened, well, they hit rain, they yeah. hit weather. Uh, but there were a lot of other interesting things that came up. I mean, the infrastructure is not there, and we both agreed on one thing. Really, the infrastructure we think will be there when they're as prevalent and as usable as gas well, stations. Well, dude, you can't, look, we had, we, you know, when we did that cannonball, and by the way, our record is 4646, you're welcome to break it. Somebody in the comments to your video said we should do it in a Tesla, and we should, because they have a much better. I absolutely agree, and we should also do it in a gas vehicle, like so, a really efficient gas So car. if any of you guys are out there and you want to lend us a Tesla because we're not buying a Tesla, or Tesla, if you're listening and you want to lend us one, I know you don't have a PR department. I'm pretty sure Elon doesn't listen to our products. No, I'm sure he doesn't. Uh, but if you want to lend us a Tesla, we could probably break the record, which is 4646, and it's going from coast to coast. Uh, down the southern route, basically from Disney to Disney. Yeah, Highway 10. Highway 10. Uh, we could probably break it, but look, as we found out, and as, as the girls found out, there is no fun to be had being at a Walmart at 2 in the morning, you know, in some sketchy part of town when three of the four chargers that are supposed to be working are down. It's just not a good situation. What? You wouldn't want your <clears throat> loved one there, would you? No. Even if they were up and running, I still wouldn't want people in the middle of a parking lot with no security cameras, with no overhead for protection from weather, with no squeegee just to get bugs off the windshield, and with very little security. I mean, there, uh, yeah, okay, there might be some security guard who's asleep in a car on the side of the parking lot, but let's face it, compared to a gas station that's usually well lit and has security of some sort, at least cameras, these, these places suck, and it's just... It's, it needs to be addressed, and it will be, I think, in time. But right now, it's not. So worldwide or nationwide infrastructure, not great, but no matter what, people are still buying more and more electric cars. Toyota needs to sell more electric cars in order to make those people happy. So like I said, so maybe the answer is doing these plug-in hybrids, which if you never want to charge, you don't have to, right? You can squirt gas in there and then use the gasoline engine to, and this is the other thing that people got pissed off about Toyota because I guess in the UK they had a campaign basically saying that you, you can charge an electric car using the internal combustion engine, which is technically true, but realistically not true, right? You're, 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 it's a horrible way to use- It's electric. bad efficiency. Yeah, because you've got two powertrains you're dragging around, right? Yeah. And a heavy battery. Uh, and so it's kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah, so rather than look at it that way, try to look at it in a more positive way of you know how far they've come. And here's the good news. It's actually proven that uh, most hybrid systems out there are pretty damn reliable. And I talked to an engineer about this, and one of the reasons why he surmises is that there's less 
drain and it's less taxing on the gas engine to move the vehicle around. They actually, they work like generators more often than not, or they stay at lower RPMs and they don't work as hard. So interesting way of looking at it. Let's take a little detour here for a sec. Sure. Uh, uh, Because it's two guys talking about cars. Mm -hmm. You and Andre did a recently interesting video where you took the Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid. Yes. uh, To pick up hamburgers. Yes, we did. We went to In-N-Out Burger. So you you tried to do what we're talking about, which is basically use it in such a way where you don't have to actually ever have to do anything but plug it in. How did that go? It went poorly. Okay, tell me why. It's not the car's fault. All right. Uh, We went to the charger. The vehicle had about a half a battery. Now, bear in mind, this vehicle has, I think, a 25 kilowatt hour battery? Or is it bigger? It might be even bigger. It was around that, yeah. Yeah. And the other problem with it is for some unbeknownst reason to us, Mitsubishi decided to go with Chatham. No, no, there's a reason. Okay, well, what's the reason? Okay, because Mitsubishi is is partially owned by Nissan, and they, they share products. Nissan was one of the first car companies to mass produce and implement Chatamo. Chatamo is the round fast chargers, which unfortunately don't give you a lot of power compared yeah, to CCS and all I that. I think they max out at 50. It's actually 50. 49, technically. So... This vehicle has a Chatamo, which is, by the way, the only vehicle in its class that does have fast charging capability. But here's the problem. We went to a fast charger, the Chatamo, which was in itself hard to find because they are phasing them out. Electrify America is getting rid of Chatamo. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's not popular. So there's now four standards, well, five. So China has its own standard. Right. Japan uses Chatamo because Chatamo was also, it was for its time, it was great because you could also... Go the other way, right? So you could power your potential your home with the Chatamo. Right. Um, so that's what Japan. We went with Tesla, I guess. So Tesla has their own proprietary standards, yeah. except in Europe where they use CCS, but they don't use CCS. They use CCS two. We have CCS one here. So what is that? Chinese ch- standard Chatamo, uh, Tesla standard CCS one, CCS two. That's not a problem. And Six, that's not j- also counting J seventeen seventy two. That's, yeah, I'm talking about DC faster. Yeah, but but the point is is that there's a lot of options out there for charging a vehicle. So this one has your regular charging and, of course, the the, um, Chatham. So so you took it to Electric America to to zip it up? Yeah, and we plugged it in, and it took about 10 minutes just to get the charger to start working because it just wouldn't listen, and it just... That's another problem is that they have communication issues. This is the problem that the guys that seen through glass didn't understand, and that is that there's a handshake that happens between the charger and the car. So the charger says, hey, I'm here to charge you, and the car says, okay, let's shake hands. This is how much power I want. And unfortunately, you don't know if the charger is saying, hey, I can only provide you with this much because that's all I can provide you with, or the car is saying, I only need this much because that's all the battery will allow for at this moment in time. So you don't know. And then you've got the other problem, which is a charging curve, which is, you know, batteries charge quickly from like 10, 20% to 80%. That last 20% just, it falls off of a cliff, right? So using a DC fast charger for that last 20% is silly because you're taking forever. Yeah, yeah. So unless you absolutely need to go to 100%, 80% is usually, it's also better for the life of your battery. That's a whole different thing though. So anyway, we went there to charge up and it would have taken us over an hour to charge this tiny little battery in order for us to go what I believe was 40 miles and the vehicle's range is 38 miles on all electricity. The whole idea behind this was for us to go to this place um, in, was it Longmont or whatever? We're at In-N-Out Burgers, which is about 20 miles from where we were. Wheat Ridge. Wheat Ridge, that's it. Pick up the burgers and then bring them back to the guys. Where does Andre live? Thornton. Thornton, 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 yeah. Um, Anyway, so to go and get them. So the total thing would have been 40 miles, but we have 38 miles range. Ooh, good challenge. Maybe we can stretch it out and actually do the whole thing 
with a full battery. But first, you couldn't get it to charge. We couldn't get it to charge. And then finally, when we got it to charge, it was going to take too long. <laughs> Bringing guys lunch at 4 o'clock in the afternoon would mean that we'd be beat mercilessly by the people here at TFL, like Case and Alex. <laughs> and this is why people say people, and they're right, the world isn't ready for electric cars. Right. Well, and, but this is the big problem. You go to a gas station, you never have that problem. Well, the, the, but here's the benefit. Okay. This Mitsubishi, look, if once the mileage ran out, Gas engine started and it ran just fine. It, so, it didn't so how, care. How far did you go? On we like, made it actually uh, about thirty-one miles, I think. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. And we didn't. We only got up to about eighty-nine uh, percent of the charge. We just couldn't wait the whole hour. Right. It just was too long. So essentially, it worked exactly as it was advertised. It ran like an electric vehicle. I was driving in highway traffic and at highway speeds, no problem. And then once it ran out, boom. Gas engine started and it was driving like a regular car. And this is the benefit of a plug-in hybrid for those people who really want to get electrification, go back and forth to work, let's say, or drop their kids off and not use gasoline. This is where it works. And this is where Toyota absolutely nails it. But we're missing a huge thing here. What's that? The reason why Toyota is being pushed to make nothing but battery electric vehicles or eventually convert to mostly VEVs, and that is government mandates. So we're not going to get into the politics of that or anything else, but it's what they've been pushing back on. And their point is, listen, we can make a cleaner vehicle that's a plug-in hybrid versus your all-electric battery vehicle. And this is the fight that's currently going on, and this is where Toyota's moving right now, trying to say, listen, we think that in order to make a cleaner vehicle, our way is the right way. So that's the argument, and that's what Toyota is, and this is this guy Sato. He has to now deal with this. Yeah, he's got to figure out how you navigate uh, California and Wyoming. In California, they've mandated electrification by 2035. That's also a misnomer. A lot of people are saying only electric cars. No, only electrified cars. So electrified. You can, so you can have plug-in hybrids. You can have hybrids. You just can't have pure internal combustion engines. And right. of course, in Wyoming last week, uh, they decided to outlaw electric cars sales, which of course was a political stunt, I'm hoping, because or maybe not, I don't know, uh, because um, you know that would probably kill a lot of the dealership business in Wyoming. Well, especially with what's coming up. It, 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 they're on both sides of it, it's, it's There's so much hypocrisy it, on both sides. Yeah, it's, it's both it's, sides. It's, 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 it's astounding. Both sides are stupid about it. But regardless, this is what's required one way or the other. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer. That it's very simple, Nathan. Mm. You've got to have choice. You have to have, have choice. choice. I give, agree 100%. Give, give people a choice and, you know, let the better technology win. But once you start subsidizing one form over another, and, and here's the hypocrisy of it, right? The, the, the one side will say, well, you know, you're subsidizing electric cars, and so, of course, there's demand for electric. And that's true, right? You're mm -hmm. giving people $7,500. That's a bold Well, to, you're not necessarily giving it. This is another whole thing. They, they can get a tax rebate. But, but, yeah, but you see what I'm saying, yes. right? But then they ignore the fact that the oil industry is also being subsidized, mm -hmm. right? Especially in America, you know, the rest of the world, you know, they tax the bejesus out of gasoline. Here, we barely tax it to pay for the roads, and yet the roads are in miserable condition. Maybe we should tax it a little bit more. But I'm well, saying it, it's subsidized not just with that by lack of taxes, but also helping oil companies directly uh, look for oil, produce oil, right? So both are subsidies, yet both sides refuse to see the fact that they're both subsidizing their particular form of favorite. And that's really what it boils down to. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the practicality or the wisdom or what's happening. It just becomes, you know, who's on your team and, you know, beat the other team 
mercilessly. That's unfortunate. Okay, so coming choice. From, yes, choice. So let let the from, market decide. Coming from a car's perspective and seeing what's happened over the last 25 years, and it's been about 25 years since hybrids have begun to ta have taken off in the United States, 24. The reality is this, for a lot of people out there who need a car to get from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible, depending on where you live, a BEV can work, or a hybrid could work, or a plug-in hybrid can work. But Roman and I agree, you should be able to have a choice in, in the matter. And perhaps that's where we're going to be moving. I have a feeling there is a little bit of wiggle room and perhaps we'll see something in the near future. I do give Toyota a lot of credit because they stood their ground Right or wrong, they stood their ground. And we'll see whether or not they actually had the right idea in the very near future. Yeah, I mean, uh, time will tell. And I hate that because it's an old journalism cliche. Uh, but time will tell. So let me ask you this, Nathan. Yes. What car would you buy right now? And I think it's easy. I think we both know which car we buy <laughs> if we were shopping for a new Toyota. I would get the Supra with the manual. Absolutely fell in love with it. I just wish, wish, wish they were a little bit more conscientious of us bigger and taller people. Which is ironic, considering that it's based on a lot of the BMW components, and BMW is pretty good about The Germans are really good at building about, cars. About building cars for tall Germans. But, yeah, but they decided <laughs> to make that roof line, you know, uh, so low that, for me, it just, it's undrivable. Yeah, well, I can't see, if I look left, I can't see You can't see it left because yeah. you look at the, you look, getting in, I literally have to take my hand and put it on my head and push my head down so I can get in there. So a little uh, yoga position, I call it the super dog, down, <laughs> downward super dog. There are other names for that. Yes, there are. No, the car... It's uh, not what you want to be doing. The simple truth of the matter is, if, for those of you who can't see, the picture behind us is of the Toyota Corolla I, I would, GR. I would buy that I would buy this in a heartbeat. I would buy two. I would buy two. I guarantee you, if I gave one of these to my wife, yeah. she would freak because she'd fall in love with it. She currently it's also has available that. as a manual. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no, it only comes it's as a manual. It only comes yeah. That's yeah. bold. Yeah, bold. Yeah, and not only that, but it's got all-wheel drive, perfect for Colorado. Uh, it's a little low to the ground, so it might not work well in our snowy conditions, but I, so be it. I also love the '86, but given the choice between the '86 and the Corolla GR, GR Corolla, I get that because obviously all-wheel drive, practicality, mm -hmm. right? Hatchback, it's got everything. And it's turbocharged up here. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but, you know, if you're going to run a naturally aspirated engine, you're going to suffer when you're at high elevation. Yeah. It's just the truth. But anyway, I, okay, well, simple bottom line is that, Toyota, you need to build more cars that are as fun as the GR um, Corolla. Corolla and the GR86 and maybe the Supra. And please give us other choices and just, you know, I, I'm going to say it in my own personal opinion. Hold firm to your convictions and keep trying because I think that you do build some good products. And thank you. Thank you for finally building a Prius that doesn't hurt the eyes to look at. There. That's all I have to say. Yeah, the new Prius is... I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's also really good. Uh, and they finally infused it with, I would say, personality and life. And it's going to quite... You know, I was talking to a woman uh, at the pool, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she was probably retired. And uh, I said, you know, what I do. And she said, oh, I just bought the new Prius. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, which new one? And she said 2022, which is the previous one, yeah. not the new one. Exactly but but it's going to be hard because the new one is such a departure, right? I, 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 like, I, like, I can't see her getting the one that's the, the 2023 because it's so much sportier. And I was like, you know, it's got that really raked... Front yeah, glass, extremely raked right. front glass, and low. It's lower too. It's almost two inches lower uh, inside. It's and was she a, a hot old lady? 
kind of, <laughs> was she kind of cute? Like, well, it was, 80, it was 82 at the pool, fully sunny, so I suspect she was hot. Okay, so in other words, all right, Granny. So I, you should have been like, hey, listen, Grans, I'm married, but just so you know, you'd look smoking in one of these new Prius. She probably would, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I'm, I'm thinking to myself, she's probably not going to be the ideal demographic for the new Prius coming yeah, but this this is just because let's face it, the Prius was always kind of dotty and, and well, it was. But but now that they've saying, oh, we can actually build something that looks good to people and they'll be excited about it. Mm, maybe we should build other forms of Prius, which they've done before, that uh, maybe stand up a little bit higher. Look, Grandma, I guarantee you, is more interested in something that's comfortable as opposed to something that's good looking. Am I correct? Right. Okay. So, so which which cars? You know, now we know. I would also get a Forerunner. I know it's. Uh, Four one is awesome. I know it's awesome. It just is. It's anachronistic, though. I mean, that's the thing is that it's really, really old tech, and some people don't like that. But it's also seriously indestructible and just an absolute animal off road if you get the right one. Um, So, but uh, the GR is is where I want to be, especially with the with the. I I probably wouldn't get um, you know a Camry. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just it's just kind of. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a fine it's car, perfectly good car, and also a good representation of what a car is. And in the last few minutes that we have, I actually had a little bit of an epiphany as to why people like uh, crossovers and SUVs. And I know this is one of those things like where you're not supposed to, um, you know, uh, want I, bigger, I heavier, have, yeah. taller cars. Oh no, I, I already know the answer to this. But, but it's such a. It's why would you want to be in a sedan? When there are in Hawaii, for instance, and I saw this in the 300, right? Mm-hmm. When there are these lifted uh, Tacomas that are literally the wheel is as tall as your eyesight, so you're looking at maybe the center of the wheel or the top of the wheel. That that's a very terrifying position to be in, even in a big. And this is a this you know the, the 300 is bigger than a Camry, right? It's Avalon size. It's the next size up. It's yep. it's a full size classic American sedan, and even in this 300. I felt intimidated by a Tacoma, mm. you know, going down the road. I would rather, you know, I was like, I want to be in my Hummer. I, I, and maybe that's, you know, that's me being a guy and like yeah. being like, hey, I want to be in the biggest, baddest. But I think women also feel that same way, right? Mm. That's why I think women love driving like Suburbans because they feel safe. They feel like their no, family no. is safe. Yeah, no, I, I, you're, I think you're completely wrong. But I have a simple reason why, right. pe- why everybody's buying crossovers, Osteo. <laughs> Dude, they want a, a vehicle that's easy to get into and easy to get out of. Their butt just slides onto the seat and off the seat. Yeah, what's wrong they with want that, good, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying that this what's is why they're one, buying it. want to be comfortable when you travel across country. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, or I, to work. But, 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 there are still, and a lot of people forget this, including you, my friend, there are still millions of sedans being built and bought from almost every major manufacturer. So even though people say the sedan is dead, it's not, especially with luxury sedans, by the way. So people still see the value of sitting down a little bit lower and having a vehicle that right, maybe right. when it goes around a corner doesn't feel like it wants to fall all over. Right, all right, forget about sedans. How about sports cars? Both that Supra uh, and the 86, you're going to be sitting on the ground looking not at the middle of this Tacoma. You're going to be looking underneath it. Yeah, so what? That's that's that, a that's not a, that's yeah I know but that's that's awesome. That once upon a time when the world was full of roaming sedans, it was okay to be you know on the ground in a sports car. Today, to be in that '86 or even Supra, 
pulling up next to any one of these, forget about even a big rig like semi truck on the highway, it is an intimidating kind of, and the only thing you got going for you is you've got better brakes and of course better maneuverability. So at least in a sports car, you feel like if something goes down, you might have the ability to get out of danger. I'm curious, the bridge you live under, do, do you eat goats when people pass by as a troll? <laughs> no, no, I'm not being trolly. I'm yeah, just saying I understand wrong. why people want big, tall crossovers and SUVs. Because they, want, they have an image they're trying to project in some cases. No, because in other of, cases, because, they want to go Because they feel powerful, they feel safe, they feel Sometimes. comfortable. You know, these, these things are all great things. Bill Maher just did a, uh, I was watching on oh, YouTube. Oh, no, here he, we go. No, no, this is not political. He did a, and it was true, he did a thing saying how people love to fly private. Right, like like Greta, whatever her name is, are all like, oh, we have to stop flying, and, and the exact opposite is happening, right? With that huge Southwest meltdown, I understand why people want to fly fly private, and I know it's probably horrible for the environment, but gosh darn it, it's got to be really cool. I've never flown private every day. I've never had sixteen have, but, million but, people fly these airlines just would in you, the United would, States. Given the choice, would you rather fly private? I love flying packed with people all around me because <laughs> I'm a people watcher, Roman, and every once in a while. I get to sit next to someone who's half, not, not hard oh, on God, the eyes, oh, and maybe they fall asleep oh, on my shoulder, no, no. and I finally feel relevant. Oh, dude, no, yes. See, no, my, no. But my, why is my perspective wrong? My perspective might be right. I'll give Let's you, go back to... I'll, I'll give you what happens, okay? All right, here we go. Here's, here's what happens. So I'm flying to Korea, and this is... Actually, I'm flying back from Korea for dr from driving the EV6, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm in a 747 on the top level in business class. Yeah. Right? And I'm thinking, this is life. It's not private, but it's good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's two people. So it's me, and then there's a guy next to me. And luckily, thank God, there's like a little wall you could put up between yeah. you. But you can't put it up until you take off. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there loving life, and this Korean dude decides with his I'm guessing sweaty and I know furry feet to take off his shoes, to take off his socks, and then to walk to the bathroom in his bare feet, which is by far the grossest thing you could do because you know that bathroom floor oh, is not yeah. is not covered in lilies and well, even for you, flowers. You, you, you business class people, I think they only use a certain. And, th of and then he, wa you know, walks back, puts his feet up on that little, like little, like furry wall in front of him. Uh -huh. His furry toes on the furry wall, and he's like doing the thing with his toes. And I am so grossed out at this point. I'm ready to barf into the barf bag that they didn't provide anymore. And the only thing that saved me from like freaking completely out watching this dude was being able to put that wall up and keeping those furry toes out of my eyesight that had now been doused in you know what in the bathroom okay so next time you go people through, are gross next dude. time you go through that you there's a word in korean it's hajima and okay. then stop it <laughs> just say that or do what i do and intensely look at his toes and then look at him and wink and just like hey and i guarantee you those toes will drop I've actually done things where, um, like, this one kid was kicking my seat, yeah. and the mom kind of apologized. She goes, oh, sorry about my kid kicking your seat. And I said, no, 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 have her kicked harder. It's like a free massage. <laughs> and, and then I look over at the person next to me. I said, I think I'll take my shirt off. And the kicking stopped immediately. It's just you have to have the right So you've got to be ready to publicly shame people. Yes. I don't want to have to publicly shame people. Yes, I you be, do. No, I want to be on my you own private it. jet with, with, you know, stewardesses. Oh, uh, here we go. Well, it's a private jet. Giving, giving me, like, the thing I can't get on commercial, which is iced tea. The only <laughs> way I can get iced tea, even, <laughs> even flying commercial, is i got to ask for a glass of ice, 
hot water, uh, and a tea bag. <laughs> and I gotta make my own iced tea. Oh, <laughs> this is such a luxury to want iced tea on like this flight from Hawaii. That's an eight-hour flight. It would have been nice to have iced did tea. Did you take your Geritol today? Oh, oh for God's God, sake, Nathan! Come on, flying sucks ass. It just sucks ass right now. Okay, the whole thing just sucks. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We only went off the rails really at the very end of this video, but you know, for those of you who have updates and or tips for Roman to have a better flying experience, please send them here. Uh, this seat I was in, and this was in Economy Plus, right? Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not joking. You know you know what I do? You know the first thing I do when I get in the yeah, car? Yeah, you right? put on your, your headphones. No, I don't put on my headphones. Yes, no, you when do. I get, no, when you I get in a car. When oh, I get in, in a car, what's yeah. the first thing I do? I take that, that lumbar support because I have a bad and back. And you I'm go pushing. to maximum. Yeah, this was the exact opposite. Now, if I'm drawing a picture. It was like a fat guy backwards, right? So the big belly went in as opposed to out. So when I sat down there for this eight-hour flight, there was this concave section behind my back mm. that, that I could do nothing about. So I was basically, I couldn't lean back because my, my back was so wrenched right because there was like a giant empty space where i normally have why something. didn't you ask for a pillow and I, I, you know my wife said that when i said i was so oh, miserable and she's like i just pick a pillow and put it behind my back yeah. and i was like yes i was like why didn't i do that uh yeah okay well you know i we, we all are uncomfortable but here's the good news cars today <laughs> are 900 being you know, know. 900 bucks to fly to hawaii dude all right there it is okay so anyway what guys do you think that's cheap yeah, that's uh, actually it's uh, yeah, it's not too bad from here. Yeah, direct. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, but I'm saying for 900 bucks, give me a seat that has at least some lumbar support. Or get a pillow. Okay, guys, so you you heard that here first. Get a pillow the next time you do a flight from Denver to, to Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. That Chrysler 300 had great number of support. It, I bet it did. Yeah, yeah. It did. I was so happy when I got in that car. I just pushed that button, uh, <laughs> kept pushing it, and I was like, ah. Okay. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts on Toyota and which direction they're going, please let us know in the comments below. We would love to read them. See you next time, or talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.